Welcome to the Association Corner, a podcast series focusing on insights and trends for association professionals by association professionals. Hello, and welcome to the Association Corner. I'm Jessica Richardson, MultiViews Director of Partnership Marketing. Joining me for today's discussion is Brian Lynch. He serves the association and nonprofit industry, providing risk management and an insurance placement. As an expert in the placement of DNO, EPLI, property and casualty, and management liability insurance programs, he tailors each organization he works with to protect their assets and reduce cost of risk. In today's discussion, we'll learn about his experience and knowledge surrounding event cancellation, what's changed since the pandemic, and what associations and nonprofits should be keeping an an eye out for in the future. Thanks for joining me, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. It's great to be here. It's great uh, talking to you again. So thank you for having me, and I I look forward to the uh, discussion we're about to have. Yeah. So let's start with some basics to learn a little bit more about you, Um, just because we met just recently and and was very interesting conversations based on what you do for the association industry. So I want to give you a little moment to shine about yourself. What brought you to a career within the association and nonprofit space? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, Because it is pretty specialized um, when you look at it as an insurance kind of um, spectrum. Um, So I moved down to the D.C. area um, almost seven years ago, and then I I got lucky enough to hook up with my current employer, Amstengoff. And while at the time, you know, so I guess it's about what I say, seven years ago, six and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't necessarily have a have an association and nonprofit division. um, But we did have a lot of good, larger sized uh, trade and professional associations in our book of business. And. Um, after sitting down with management for a little bit, we, you know, we, we basically looked at each other and said, you know, we're pretty crazy being in DC, not to go, not to go after all these associations and nonprofits. There is, you know, no short of a billion associations and nonprofits in the area. Right. Um, um, so, you know, we just thought with the ones we already had, um, let's, let's make a go of it. So basically, you know, we'll call it six and a half years ago, I, you know, got this, uh, division, if you will, kind of, you know, get, got it going from the ground up and, you know, got involved with the likes of uh, ASAE and, and FAR and um, Association Forum and the likes of, of those groups and just made a bunch of relationships um, over the over the course of the last six, seven years. And it's it's been great. The people in the association world are are awesome to work with. They're attentive. Um, they're, they're responsive. Um, so so to go back to your original question, I, I, I kind of fell into it. It's not like I, I went to school for it or studied for it. It was just kind of quite literally, you know, just in our lap, really, just being in D.C. <laughs> and, and just, the, you know, the, the clients we had and, you know, looking around and who was, who was our neighbors. So, um, yeah, really just just fell into it in, in a way. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It's kind of I'm kind of in the same boat in a way. Um, when I moved up to DC, I just fell into this industry and, and I haven't left 10 years later. So it's, <laughs> it's a great community to be with. And so, uh, I guess not welcome, but I'm glad to have finally met you. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Likewise. So as someone who's not entirely knowledgeable on the subject, uh, how do you know whether to get event cancellation insurance? Let's say I'm XYZ association. What things do I need to pay attention to? for that process? 
Right. Yeah. Um, you know, great question. So um, there's a lot to say about that question. Um, but in the sense of this podcast, I'll try to kind of narrow Sorry, it down. loaded. <laughs> yes, yes. And actually answer it. Um, the, the very, very short version is, and of course, we'll expand as we as we chat here, um, is that these conferences or trade shows, events, what have you, that these associations are putting on, um, more often than not, they're, they're, they're major revenue drivers for the associations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, think about COVID, what's that, 2023? So what's that, three years ago? Yeah, March, right? It's about three years ago now. Yeah. Um, you know, so three years ago, we'll, we'll call it three years in a month, you know, the, the cancellation uh, frequency of an event, right, was pretty low. And actually, I should say it still is very low. Um, aside from that, maybe one, two years, 2020, 2021, um, where, you know, basically everything was canceled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if there was a cancellation, you know, prior to COVID, it was because you had an event in August in Florida and a hurricane rolled, you know, something <laughs> of that nature, right? Yeah. Um, kind, of, kind of things that you can't really control, hence the need for this insurance. Um, COVID came around and it really, like everything else in the world, right? It, it really turned, it just turned everything upside down. Um, at the time, communicable disease coverage was an add-on. It was mm-hmm. offered. It was, okay, your premium is you know $10,000, for example, for another uh, $800, you can add on communicable disease coverage. And, you know, thankfully, I would say close to 100% of my associations, you know, always took it. I always pushed it, yeah. um, but they did take it. Um, and thankfully so, because sure enough, in 2020 and 2021, you know, their events were canceled. Um, nowadays, different story, right? And again, we'll get into it. That that's no longer the case. It's not offered, and it, it's almost like you know, calling your insurance agent while your house is on fire trying to get home insurance, right? It's 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 not going to happen, right? Um, again, we'll get to 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 communicable disease covered and coverage and COVID and whatnot in a bit. Um, but what to look for? Basically, answering your question, if if this is a major revenue driver for your association, um, you you basically should look to get event cancellation insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can help your association mitigate, you know, this risk we're talking about. Um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit ago. There's two really kind of basic uh, ways to look at the risk management of event cancellation. Um, there is high severity loss, which would threaten the, the financial situation of the association. And there's low frequency, high severity events, right? So this is kind of what we're talking about you know, kind of take away COVID, right? But overall, um, you know, the events being canceled is pretty low frequency, but when they are canceled, it's, it's, it's high severity in terms of the, the detriment it does to your financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really, you know, you, you ask, what should you be paying attention to? You should ask yourself, okay, if we are going to hold our conference and we expect X amount of revenue, um, that we typically get, right? But what happens if we don't get that revenue? Uh, where are we going to be as an association, as an organization? Are, are we going to be able to survive that without getting, you know, the, the 10 mil rev or what have you, you know, whatever you um, budget for? Right. So it's really, it, it really comes down to risk management. Like everything I do in my, my role is, is risk management and mitigating that risk. Okay. Do you ever see organizations that want to deny coverage or self-insure? Is, is that even a good idea to do that? Um, 
Short answer, yes. Yep, I have a few. And oddly enough, I have a few associations that pre-COVID, they always bought uh, uh, um, event cancellation insurance. And then post-COVID, for whatever reason, I feel like it would do the opposite. But for whatever right. reason, <laughs> they just have they just have shown no interest. They, huh. you know, we've gone back and forth. And again, at the end of the day, I'm an agent. I, I can only say what I can say and, and recommend what I can recommend. I can't make decisions for you. Um, right. But I think they look at it as what are the chances something like that's going to happen again? Or what I hear now is, oh, well, they're not offering communicable disease coverage. Why the heck would I get it? Which is, to me, really funny in the sense of pre-COVID. No one really thought a huge event like COVID-19 was going to come and cancel everything. It was always about the the, the wildfires or the hurricanes or the floods. And now it's like all that stuff is still there I just mentioned. It's just communicable disease coverage is not there. But yet everybody's only focusing on communicable disease coverage for three years ago in a month. Um, You know, they were not so much concerned with it. So does force majeure not cover communicable diseases? Um, it, it, force majeure is, is tricky, right? Um, a lot of people, that's another, you know, to answer your, your previous question, that's another thing I hear a lot is, oh, well, we have a very favorable force majeure clause um, to mitigate our risk. Um, you know, if, if the event were to be canceled or cur- curtailed or postponed, what have you. Right. Um, but uh, in a lot of the instances, Jessica, you know, even the most favorable clause, force majeure clause um, it might not make your association whole again, right? You might get your hotels, you know, uh, uh, payments back or your vendor payments back. Um, all that money you had, you know, budgeted for that, for those. Right. Um, but is that going to make you whole again? You know, they're not going to turn around and give you the revenue that you should have earned, right? Right. Um, I mean, I guess they're not required to give it back to you, correct? Co- correct. Yes. And then, you know, force majeure pre-COVID and force majeure now, um, very different, right? I mean, obviously... I bet a lot more uh, event managers for associations are a lot more aware of force majeure clauses than they were three three years ago. Um, um, so, you know, if a venue were to release, you know, give you a full release from whether it's the food and beverage, you know, any other commitments, um, you know, within that force majeure clause, uh, if you want to retain the budgeted net income that you were expecting, um, you should probably look into event cancellation. Term, yeah, I guess that makes that makes sense. I mean, even I'm obviously I'm not planning any events for for Multiview, and I, I don't work for associations, yeah. but I have a, a little sense of it because I had a pandemic wedding, and the force majeure clause. Oh gosh, yeah. Three years ago, covered. Um, I, I mean, like you said, it, it didn't guarantee that I would get all my money back, but it did allow me out of the contract. But what's funny is, and it's funny that you said this, is that it's completely different now. I mean, we were trying to to plan a reception a year or two later and yeah. the the communicable disease part of the force majeure that's even mentioned in there isn't even stated in right. the contract. So it's it's funny how things change. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, okay. And I remember 2020, which is hard to believe it's three years ago now, right? I, know. I, was, I was literally just thinking how um, it's March 7th. And I think we closed our office on March 8th, to be honest with you. But anyhow, I digress. Um, it's crazy that that's three years ago, but um, 2020 was, you know, my life was dealing with event cancellation claims and mm-hmm. dealing with clients trying to, A, work their force majeure in their favor, um, you know, beg, plead, whatever with the hotels or, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever vendors. Um, and then when it came to it, deal with the claims, right? And it was, I never thought I'd become an expert in that. 
so much because I think I only had one claim prior to that. And it was a hurricane, like I mentioned earlier. Um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the norm. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is like here to stay and it's for real and governments are shutting cities down and it happened so quick. So, you know, force majeure was, you know, I'm trying to put a percentage on it, but it it worked out for the most part for my associations. I, I, I think I only had one or two horror stories where they, you know, really didn't, you know, get kind of come out on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I would say a lot of my associations, you know, they just were able to work with the vendors of the hotels and the other commitments they had, you know, uh, signed on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously w- once they came to the uh, file a claim in that process, you know, I, I would say most of my associations, if if not the, the vast majority, were, were pretty, pretty happy um, with how it went. It is a, it's a process, you know, it's, it's an audit from, you know, it's an audit from hell, if you will, but um <laughs> <laughs> but but they got through it and you know at the end of the day Jessica you know not to be cheesy but when I would talk to these these, these insureds of mine these associations they were like you know thank you for like putting this in front of us such a detailed proposal and explaining what we can and can choose i.e. communicable disease you know for x amount more um, and I always pushed it and again I didn't I'm not saying I predicted the future but I was like you know listen if you're going to buy this policy for this much you might as well make it work for you in all aspects of what the heck could go wrong. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people were very thankful for that. And, um, you know, to this day that I see them and they're like, Hey, you saved me in 2020. Like, you know, I got that check for, you know, X, Y, Z million or whatever the heck it was. And, you know, they're <laughs> very thankful to it. Actually, I just had a lunch with a guy Thursday in Arlington. And, um, he, he said the same thing. He was like, Oh my God, I don't know where we'd be without that big old check that we got. It's you say you didn't predict a feature. Uh, apparently the Simpsons did, but I, I mean, that's to each their own who believe yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen that. That's, that's pretty funny. They've done that a few times, I feel like. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you mentioned that the communicable disease portion, some don't believe that it'll happen again or it's necessary or whatnot, but did the pandemic create a premium for that? You, you just mentioned that it was always an extra add-on. But yep. since the pandemic, because we've actually seen this happen in real life, right. um, is it even more expensive now for associations to get? Um, yeah, now good question. So the the answer is yes. There were so many claims filed, you know, upwards of I think it's in the six billion dollar range, right? Wow. And you know, one of the most catastrophic insurance events ever, really, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what does that do? That means rates go up, right? So, um, you know, kind of take out 2020, everything was canceled. I'm trying to remember 2021 was, I think, I think pretty much they were all canceled. I think maybe in the later half of the year, do you remember like it was kind of coming back and people were getting a little more confident to go out and meet people. But then I think it was like November, December, it was uh, one of the variants. I forget. Um, Omicron maybe yeah but that kind of like started to rear its ugly head and it was like oh no are we going back to like square one and I remember I was traveling to Jamaica December of 21 and we were like oh my god like is this kind of like ruin the wedding that we're going to um so it kind of took a took another turn to like you know go backwards but the rates went up significantly I mean um you know 500 600 percent for a while there um, I, the way I kind of measure it and I put my proposals to my associations, I, I sent is, you know, I, I basically take the, the, the revenue that they're expecting and I come up with a rate per thousand dollars of revenue. 
And, you know, it was like in the $1.60 to 70 cent range, you know, pre-COVID. And then it got as high as like in the six, $6. So it, it wow. went up significantly. I will say it is starting to come down. Maybe not significantly is the right word, but it's starting to come down pretty good. Um, you know, because of a year or two of them kind of making some money back with these higher premiums, you know, they're starting to see, you know, the, the tables turn, if you will, in their favor, you know, meaning the carriers and the premiums they're getting. Um, you know, they have, of course, tightened up their policy forms and what isn't, isn't covered. So, you know, of course, communicable disease being the, the large one that's not covered now. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did it really affect it? What, what you're asking is, yeah, the rates went up, right? That's the short answer. Um, also, they stopped offering communicable disease coverage, as I kind of alluded to a little bit ago. Um, there is one market I've dealt with. I have not written this yet. Um, I've inquired about it for a few associations. What they're doing is when you're within 90 days of the start of your event, right? Mm -hmm. So three months out, we'll call it. They will then be like, okay, we can quote you for communicable disease coverage. Um, But in that, it's very pricey, right? I think there's a $10,000 minimum premium for the smaller ones. And then for the larger ones, it might even be 2% of the, the revenue generated from this event. So, I mean if you're expecting $15 million for this event, 2% of that's still pretty high for additional premium, right? Um, so A, it's pricey. B, it's, you know, they kind of pigeonhole you, right? So it's like, you can't quote it till you're 90 days out. The COVID event has to happen within 30 days of the event, right? So you can quote it within 90, but the event that might cancel your event has to be within 30 days of the event. And it can only be for a government shutdown, right? So it can't be, oh no, here's another variant. It's in the news 24-7. Everybody's getting spooked, so everybody's staying home. It can't be the fear of COVID anymore. It literally has to be the government of, it, of that city shuts you know, the venue down. Um, so a lot of things kind of have to go right if you were to purchase that for it to kind of come into play and be covered. Um, the, the two or three that have inquired with me about getting a quote have kind of seen the numbers and seen the stipulation, and they're like, ah, you know, I think we'll we'll take our chances. So Really what they're doing is they're saying like, hey, you know, let's get your foot in the door because we're offering it. Come here more. Uh, but then, they're, they, you know, in a way, they're kind of pricing themselves out of it. You know, like they're kind of making. So what do you do now if communicable disease insurance, that portion of the policy is no longer a thing? Are you just is everyone just risking it now? You, you mean like if, if there were to be a cancellation because of communicable disease? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's, it's as simple as the, the, there's no coverage for it. And, and in fact. Not only is there no coverage for it, it's not even silent. It's, there's an actual exclusion for it. And, and that can be said for all carriers across the board for, you know, carriers that ready to get cancellation. So, That's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, like I said, going back to that, you know, $5, 6000000000 billion loss they had, in they meaning collective all the carriers. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably, I don't see this being like offered regular, regular you know, like, like as often as it was. Um, I don't want to say anytime soon. The fact that this one carrier is doing this is like a good sign. Yeah. Um, but I also don't really know, you know, maybe if within three years, if we're talking about it, I think that's, that's a really, really positive, you know, win for the association or, or not even the association world, anybody that's holding the event, but in our case here today, you know, association. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's exclusions, you know, they make you sign a form basically saying you, you understand this is excluded. Right. So that's, on binding so yeah they make it they make it pretty clear hmm. yeah. okay 
Well, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, events and conferences for associations are major revenue drivers. Um, We've talked about some event cancellation insurance and how communicable disease is no longer a thing and force majeure doesn't really do what you think it's going to do. What else did you see in your experience with your, your clients or just within the association industry in regards to insurance? Um, you mean in general or specifically for event cancellation? We can do in general or specific to event cancellation. Um, yeah, the, I'll start with event cancellation. It, the event cancellation was it was funny, right? Because I, I kind of keep saying it, but in 2020, it was just well, everybody had their policies, right? They already kind of had them bound for 2020. So if they had to cancel their event, they just basically filed the claim. And then it was like 21, 22, and then even present. Well, present day is pretty. No, I feel like we're. I feel like we're as back to normal as we can be right now. Okay. That's good to know. Um, I am writing a, a bunch of policies. I'm sure other agents are. Um, people are getting out there. Events are being held. Um, the guy I just mentioned I was with last week at lunch, he was just saying, yeah, like last year we were at, I think he said just shy of 80%, you know, capacity as to what they usually have for uh, attendees. Good. And he said this year, he's like, we're, we're almost at a hundred percent, meaning normal. Um, yeah. People want to be back face to face. That's what we've heard on our end at least. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to say people are over it because obviously it is still a, a big deal for many people out there. Um, well, I say many, but a lot of people out there. Um, so, but I, I think, you know, I think people, like you said, they're, they're itching to get out, get face to face, um, and, and just, you know, get on with normal life if you will. Um, and, and, you know, I've been to a bunch of events, whether it's my association, whether it's my clients' events or just events for myself. And, you know, they take all the necessary measurements and steps that they can and should take to ensure that they're being as safe as possible. Right. So they're doing what they can do. Does that, you know, is that an end all be all, you know, hundred percent, it's going to work. No, of course not. But um, it's, it's a lot better than just saying, oh, everybody show up and you're on your own. You know? Yeah. Um, but event cancellation, it was just, it was really just, okay, well, are we going to have our event this year? And I'm kind of focusing on 2021 now. It's like, are we going to be virtual? Are we going to be hybrid? That was the thing, right? It was like, oh, okay, well, we're not, we're going to hold our event, but it's going to be virtual. And um, I don't know your experience with virtual events, Jessica, but mine would have not really been that great. They were always... <laughs> I don't know, just, they, they're just no, you know, you can't really recreate the in-person uh, experience. Right. I so, agree. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to understand where these associations and whatnot are coming from. They need their revenue, right. They need people to pay to come to, to generate revenue. So they were kind of left with no choice to do these. I, I don't know what the general consensus is out there for attendees that, but you know, of members for all these association events, I'd be willing to bet it was some somewhere along the lines of what I just said of, yeah, you know, we did it because we had to and we wanted to, but it was, you know, it's not as good as the in-person stuff. So, yeah, the biggest change was just this mix of hybrid and or just all being virtual. And then, of course, you know, these carriers have to come in and they have to, you know, they have to kind of update their forms to to offer some kind of coverage for hybrid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they got to throw in this virtual transmission kind of wording, if you will. You know, something goes wrong with the. uh the vendor that XYZ Association is using to broadcast. So, that was all that was all new to the game. Um, and then overall, in, a, in an insurance program overall view, I'll tell you what I've dealt with the most is you know people were you know pre-COVID, you know the majority of people and employees were you know commuting to an office, right? They okay, mm-hmm. I got to go to work today. I'm going to my office, and now everybody has just moved all over the country. They're working remote. They're teleworking. 
Um, so I have seen a lot of my associations just straight up get rid of their office. They don't even have an office anymore. Everybody's just working from home. Yeah. So, you know, these, these business owner policies or commercial package policies had one or two or however many locations and offices. And, you know, now they're dwindling down to, to one, you know, they're down from one to three or three to one and, or, or they have no offices at all. So we're doing a lot of shuffling around of like deleting locations slash offices and, you know, this person, we're all working in Virginia or Maryland before because that's where the job was, but now they moved to Ohio. So we're adding on a lot of states, the workers' comp policies. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, claims. I mean, think of employment practices liability, which I won't get into too much for today's purpose. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot of claims out there, right? There are a lot, of, a lot more claims, I think, because I always like to kind of joke that, like, everybody's kind of, you know, tougher behind the screen, right? So a lot of, you know, discrimination claims, and, of course, all of these are you know, a lot of them are, are valid and whatnot, but there's, there was a lot more claim activity in the, in the post COVID, you know, okay. kind of during COVID, uh, you know, months and years and whatnot. So. Well, we both, we both kind of said that not that people are over it, but people are ready to be back face to face. And yeah. and I saw a study the other day from UFI and it was, um, a 2023 global barometer and it okay. made the comment about, 83% of cities globally are back to trade shows and exhibit um, that are, that were being held pre pandemic. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've, we've both seen that associations are going full force again and they're getting the attendance that they had pre pandemic and whatnot. Do you think that policies will go back to where they were or are they here to stay? I mean, I know you mentioned the communicable disease one and I mean, it's, super expensive just for you to add it within that 90 days. But do you yeah. think carriers will go back to where they were prior? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Short answer. I do. I, I think eventually we'll see some communicable disease coverage, whether it is exactly the same as it was three years ago. Um, maybe not to be determined, mm-hmm. but I, but I think we will see that. And of course it will be where, where maybe as three years ago, it wasn't so much to add it on where, you know, people would balk and go, wow, we don't want to spend another couple grand. It wasn't that, that much. I I think that will change, right? It'll be, Hey, you can add it on. It'll be a little pricier than it was three, four years ago. Um, But you can, right. So I think it'll be less strict. Okay. Like I mentioned, you know, the 90 day thing has to be within 30 days has to be a government shutdown, but it pigeonholes you. Right. So it's like, man, if we're going to have a COVID claim and we pay all this money, it's like a lot of stuff has to go our way to, to file a claim. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, so I think to answer your question, I, I think we'll see a less, strict version of that um when you know i don't really know I'm t- I, I keep talking to the carriers monthly i'm like hey anything happening and you know the answers are still no um but but yeah i do you know i'm, I'm optimistic about it I, I do think we'll start to see it get back to you know i'm using air quotes normal you know pre-covid policy terms conditions um i wouldn't be surprised if there's some stipulations in there of somewhat you know uh um pigeonholing it if you will mm-hmm um, but I think it will uh, definitely be a lot more favorable than it is right now for associations to uh, okay. look at um, you know, adding on communicable disease coverage. I mean, we talk about COVID and everything, but I, uh, it's probably smart for me to ask, what else does event cancellation cover? Yeah, no, and that's also a great question because um, I find in talking to my associations, especially new ones, that you know, right now, especially they're only thinking, oh, am I covered for COVID? It's like, well, no. It's like, okay, well, what am I covered for? It's like, well, you're covered for a lot. It's, um, you know, 
the big ones, right, will be, you know, think your hurricanes, your earthquakes, your floods, your kind of natural disasters, right? Yeah. Um, adverse weather, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, I mean, geez, I was supposed to fly up north what, this past weekend, and I couldn't because my flight was canceled because of the snowstorm literally going across the country and ended in the northeast, right? So, um, you know, adverse weather, snowstorms, ice storms, tornadoes. I mean, gosh, whether it's global warming or not, it's, I feel like every day there is a new, you know, disaster going on in the country weather-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, so that's covered. But then there's kind of a, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that you might not think about. So, you know, think about the venue you're having it up, right? What happens if the venue gets damaged? Um, kind of out of your control, right? So there's coverage for losses due to, you know, all kinds of things, whether we just, we just talked about or even terrorism um, to the venue up to 12 months prior to the schedule start of the date. So, you know, you, you bind a policy in January, but your event's not until November. And then, you know, you know, come August, something bad happens to the venue. Um, there's coverage for that. Um, think of labor disputes, right? All these strikes. I feel like that's in the news a lot. You know, think airline strikes, hotel strikes, uh, you know, strikes by transit workers. So all things that kind of come into play for the event, right? Where are people yeah. coming from? They're coming from yeah. all over the country, all over the world in some cases. So what happens if a major airline goes on strike for the week, month, whatever you're, you're holding your event. Um, uh, national mourning in some cases, you know, think of if uh, the POTUS passes away and, you know, we're kind of in a funny stage with the POTUS president right now because of his age, because most of the policies have a, you know, there's national mourning coverage, but not for anyone, especially a president over 70 years old. Um, so, you know, again, you gotta, you gotta trust your agent, i.e. myself and others like me. To kind of point that out, right? You don't just say, oh, there's national morning coverage. Well, there is, but it's also excluded for someone over seven. I wouldn't even think of that as being a part of a coverage. I know. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and that's where an agent comes into play, right? It's, it's, you know, it's not so much what is covered. I always say it's, it's what is not covered. Um, I talked about transmission interruption, interruption for all the, you know, kind of hybrid slash virtual stuff. Uh, not stuff, you know, events that, that are being put on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's kind of, you know, other commitments or, or uh, other things that aren't so physical, really, meaning damage to the building or, or storm. It's um, other financial commitments, right? So a lot of the policies provide anywhere from 10 to 20% above the limit of indemnity, which is meaning that the, the, the limit, the revenues and or expenses that you're insuring against. Um, so it's an additional uh, uh, coverage, if you will, to, you know, up to 20% for financial commitments for vendors whether it's hotel room blocks or food and beverage, beverage, et cetera. Um, trying to think off the top of my head here. Uh, uh, there is coverage for marketing expenses. So there's, there's again, usually like 10 to 20% above the limit or, or up to the limit of uh, indemnity for each event, not to exceed um, 20% for marketing. So, okay, we had to cancel our event, right? It's like, well, now we got to remarket this thing. Cause now we're going to push it back to, you know, two months from now. So now we got to do all this other marketing stuff. So you get coverage for that. Um, you know, physical loss of personal property and door registration receipts. Um, that that's you know kind of part of the page, uh, if you will, coverage. You know, A, B, and C, which is you know the actual limit of of revenues or expenses, um, or physical loss of personal property and door registration rece- receipts. Right, and I should say, Jessica, um, how the for those that don't know, the event cancellation limit is is based off the greater of expenses or revenue. So the larger, larger ones, more often than not, will be revenue, right? So if you're due to make $15 million for your event, 
but only it's going to cost you $12 million, right? So the higher of that is the revenue. So your limit would be 15 million. Okay. Um, and so when I say the limit of indemnity, it's that limit, whatever the higher of the revenues or expenses are. I mean, for this conversation, we'll kind of use revenues because I feel like the majority are revenue based. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, personal property door registration receipts. If you have a, a, a speaker, let's just think of, you know, a really well-known speaker everyone everyone would want to see. It might drive up attendance. Um, you know, if, if there's a, if he just or he or she decides not to come, just a non-appearance of a speaker, there's coverage for that. Uh, Does that happen often? I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a claim for that. I don't think I have. I, I know it does, um, but not in my experience, to be honest with you. Huh, okay. Um, um, you know, a lot of these things, a lot of these policies will, well, no, let me back up. A lot of them won't. Some of them do. I think a lot of them used to pre-COVID, but some of them will provide automatic coverage for smaller events you might have. So if XYZ Association binds a policy in January for their two events, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they hold, you know, really smaller events in between those, like during the policy period, in between those two larger events, um, let's call it, a, you know, $100,000 in revenues or expenses or less. And mm-hmm. they happen within the U.S. Um, and I think Canada too, U.S. and Canada. Um, uh, you know, there's automatic coverage. You don't have to schedule those events. So they're just automatically covered. Um, so, so that's, that's a nice, a nice little added bonus. Um, and then again, I said it briefly earlier, you know, a lot of these, and I always push it to is, you know, terrorism mm-hmm. is included, or I should say is an option. And I always push the full terrorism, um, just so as not to be pigeonholed with, you know, the terrorist event or terroristic, uh, event or threat, uh, you know, has to happen within 250 miles of your event within 50 days or what have you. Um, the full terrorism just says, Hey, if something, something really bad's going on, um, you know, there's coverage for it, right? So, okay. I, I think I answered your question. There, there's a lot more than just oh, a hurricane rolled through. You know, are we covered? So there's a lot right. of, kind of add-ons. Yeah. Well, and and like I said earlier, I'm not one to plan events, or I don't work for an association in the meeting space. But yeah, it's there's so much you don't think about all the things that are covered within event cancellation insurance. I mean, especially with the last three years, you just automatically think. It's yeah. for communicable diseases. Um, exactly. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's, that's all people focus on. Right. And it's yeah. funny because it was not that way three years ago. Of course. Right. If I tell you, tell you to you know, not think about the color red, all you're going to do is think about the color red. And, um, I, I love it. I, I forget what movie that's from. I, I, I sidetrack. I get sidetracked. But um, <laughs> Me too, it's don't funny, right? It, it's funny because it's true. It's just like people, it's the first question I get. Is there coverage? I'm like, well, no, there's not, but it, a lot can go wrong with your event, you know, in California um, in the summer. So, you made a comment about um, coverage up to the the total gross revenue of an event. Of an event. So yep. let's say X my X Y Z association has a plan where we're having the event, um, and we've seen an influx of registration, and it's gone through the roof. Um, yep. ultimately that's going to increase the gross revenue of my event. So in that situation, when you see these things happening, do you update your plan? Can you update your policy midway through before your event even happens? Or do you just kind of eat those dollars because you already have a plan in place for X amount? Yeah, that's a great point and question. Um, glad you brought it up. So it's very important to note. Um, 
and I, it's it it's I'm trying to make this easy for listeners because it's like a lot easier to to do it visually. Um, so let's just say XYZ Associations having an event and they scheduled it for we'll use a nice round number, you know, ten million dollar revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do, I'm sure many agents, many other agents do, is let's just say the event's July first. So around June first, so we'll call it a month before. I will check in with you, Jessica, at XYZ. And I'll say, hey, mm-hmm. Jessica, you know, I know you got uh, the, the, the annual conference coming up next month. You have a policy bound and the limit is 10 mil. How are we looking on 10 mil? Did anything happen since the last time we talked and we found this policy? Are you still at 10 mil? Are you at 8 mil? Are you at 15 mil? And you might say, you just said, oh my God, Brian, like we've had so many more people, uh, you know, registered than we ever thought. Um, you know, basically this is really going to be like, you know, 15 mil. We'll use another round. And this is important, right? Because I'll say, okay, here's what I'm going to do, Jessica. I'm going to go back to your carrier and say, hey, listen, this is now 15 mil, not 10 mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, when I say I'm going to go to the carrier, I'm going to do that with your blessing. But um, the reason you want to do that is because, A, you want to be properly insured, right? You want the mm-hmm. policy that you purchased to actually respond and to work in your favor, right? You don't want to roll the dice on something you already paid money for. Right. Um, if you basically what you would be doing if you did not increase that limit is you're, you're underinsuring your event, right? So what do these carriers do? You know, these carriers aren't stupid, right? They're out to make money. Um, they will basically prorate your claim if a claim were to happen, right? So let's just say um, it was supposed to be 15 mil, but we, you, you were like, no, Brian, I don't want to pay any more money. Um, I don't want to pay the additional premium for that extra, you know, five mil delta, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to keep it at 10. So you have a claim roll in now, right? So... So your limit is now 10, right? It's up to $10 million, not 15. So, and now I screwed myself with these numbers, but what's the math? So what's that a a 50% increase, right? 15 to 10. Mm -hmm. So if you're due, you know, $8 million from that claim all said and done, guess what they're going to do? They're going to cut that 8 million and a half by 50%, the same ratio that you're underinsured and only give you a check for $4 million. Now, this is a very cookie cutter situation. There's obviously a lot that goes on in that number and in that auditing process of filing a claim. Um, but for this purpose here, I'll, I'll just keep it easy. But you basically get kind of penalized, if you will, right? Um, so that is why it's very important for your agent to kind of stay on top of it and get in touch with you and say, hey, Jessica, where are we at? And you say, okay, 15 million. I'm saying, all right, it's going to be, you know, they're going to, the carrier is going to use the same rate they used for that 10 mil, right? So they're not going to kind of like, you know, increase your rate for this extra five mil delta. So you're going to use the same rate they use, pay the additional premium. And then hopefully you don't have a, um, uh, a claim, but if you do, you'll have full, you know, full coverage, i.e. a full claim. There'll be no penalty, penalty, if you will. Um, that made sense in my mind. Did that come across in a clear, did that make sense to you? <laughs> it, it, it did make sense. Okay. Granted. Good. This uh, is all still, I mean, quite honestly, it's all still over my head, but I am learning a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the very short version is it's basically a clause in the, in, the, in the policy terms. It's, you know, you can be penalized proportionately on a claim amount. So like yeah. I said, um, if you're 50%, um, you know, under what it should have been, you know, your claim will be 50% less. But it's good to know that you have the flexibility to say, hey, if, if I'm way low or if I'm way above, whatever well, my gross revenue is estimated to be, it's good to know that you have the ability to go back and say, Hey, let's tweak this right. to, to whatever is needed. That, that's and yeah. And that's a good point. I kind of focused on like the, the bad side of that. Right. And, and the additional premium, but on the flip side of that, if you're like, 
uh, something's terrible going on. Uh, I don't know what's going on with our attendance, um, our regist- registrants, whatnot. Um, but we're at 10 mil. We should be lower than that. We, we can also amend that limit and you get money back, right? Yeah. Um, and then kind of expanding on your question in that kind of under insurance clause, if you will. I'm over here using air quotes again, but no one can see me. Um, um, one carrier that I know of has um, a really nice feature that I like. Um, I'm trying to know what it is. Oh, and of course, I can't find it. It's um, basically auditable, auditable limits, right? So if it's within, I believe it's 5% of what we bound. So let's stick with this 10 mil revenue. And everything went according to plan. But for whatever reason, um, you only came in at 9 mil, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like I just said, you can then, we'll go, that, we'll, that, we'll go to the carrier and say, hey, it wasn't 10, it's actually nine. Um, you know, they kind of ask for this, ask for that. They do a little audit, if you will. And then they'll, they'll write you a check for, for the uh, return premium proportionally with the rate they used um, because your event was less than you, than you anticipate, which is obviously favorable, right? Um, do you have um, to do that within a certain time span? Like, do you, do you do it before the event actually happens or after, like 30 days after you? Yeah. Time? So, so for that auditable uh, endorsement that I'm talking about, that w- that's within uh, uh, 60 days, I believe 60 days. Prior or post? Post, sorry. Okay. So what I would do is just like I said, you know, just to check in a month before, I'd also check in a month after and say, hey, Jessica, you know, how was that event? I know it was last month. Hopefully it went well. You know, anything, anything you need to tell me limit wise, like, you know, where did you guys end up? And then if you're like, oh, we need to talk, you know, then we'll, we'll get into that discussion. But if you're like, no, nah, everything's good. You know, we're right where we should have been. Then, then, you know, we just uh, go our separate ways and everybody's happy, right? Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. This is all really good information to know. And I'm sure that uh, we can go on forever, um, all day, <laughs> multiple days regarding everything that's in these event cancellation, let alone event cancellation, but all the other types of insurance that there is. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a, a busy person right now. Oh, you know, all those proposals. <laughs> so I thank you for your time um, and really your knowledge that you've been sharing with us today. Is there anything else, last minute advice or thoughts that you would like to share with the association and nonprofit space? Oh, well, you know, first of all, thank you, Jessica. This has been fun. Uh, my first podcast. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great chatting with you. You know, like we both joked about, you know, insurance in general, but event cancellation, we could, we could, talk for hours and it just rabbit hole after rabbit hole of, of you know, what's covered, what's not covered, what have you seen? Um, you know, to answer your question, Jessica, I, I would say if you whatever agent you use to get these policies and quotes, I mean, you're essentially paying them. You know, they're working for you, put them to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to associations that like anything I discussed today, they're like, Oh, I didn't realize that. Or, Oh, that's really interesting. Like what else don't I know about? Right. Because 99% of my clients and, and, and prospects out there, when I put this in front of them, the first thing they do, like probably all of us, if we do like car insurance, right? We're going to go to the bottom line. All right, what's yeah. it cost? And then if it's like within our budget, we're like, okay, like let's talk more. But there's just so much to these policies, good and bad. Well, I don't want to say bad, but you know, things you should know, like an under insurance clause. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, put your agent to work for you. Just be like, hey, you know, let me know all about this. Don't just give me the number. Don't give me the revenue, you know, limit what is covered, you know, golf tournaments that covered. We're, we're holding our annual golf tournament the day before, you know, it's things like that. So, you know, you're essentially paying these guys off the commission they make guys and girls. So, um, you know, put them to work for you, make them go to work. So ask questions, um, be specific, make sure you understand uh, what isn't, isn't covered. Cause I'll tell you the, 
I'll tell you when you don't want to find out when something's not covered is when you would call your agent and say, Hey, we need to file a claim for this and that. And they're like, Oh no, I don't know why you would think that um, it's not covered. So that's a bad conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm a big believer to have everything in writing and really look at the fine print. So, I mean, ask, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, ask every question that you can even think of and, and hopefully yeah. if whom, whomever, your association or nonprofit is, is working with for um, these type of policies and whatnot. Hopefully your, your agent is telling you things that you didn't know and, and bringing more knowledge to you. So I right. big believer in that and fully agree. Um, yeah. Believe it or not, you know, we, we actually read those, um, you know, policy terms and conditions, those hundreds of pages of lawyer, ask uh, paragraphs that I can almost guarantee you no one does. So that's what we do. That's why it's our job to, you know, pass it on to the, to the association. So, you know, happy to do it, but put them to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully we can talk again, maybe about another type of insurance and, and really get the knowledge out there for the industry. Um, but like I said, thank you. I, I really appreciate your time. No, no, thank you. I, it's, been, it's been a pleasure and I, I had fun. So thank you, Jessica. And uh, yeah, yeah, you let me know when you want me back. Sounds good. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye, Jessica.